Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. Tough enough to last the distance. And now with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. This might be the filthiest edition of this show we've ever done. (laughs) Ian Collins wants a word. Good day to you, fair maidens and chaps in spats, and a cuddly welcome to Once a Word. For those of you joining us for the very first time, this is the podcast that brings a whole new meaning to the word psychoneuroimmunology. For those who listen all the time, hello. Either way, welcome to the Archdeacon of all things audio-related. And believe me, you'd sell your kids rather than miss a moment of this caper. So sit up, shut up, grab a slice of angel cake, and enjoy the gig. Temperamental, this one, Kev. Temperamental, I think. On the show, this. <coughs> Snap out of it. A new Mitsubishi Outlander's worth of this. Why wouldn't I? I think our nation was built on the good quality British banger. And we'd be made to look more humiliated than Michael Gove at an NUT rally if we didn't spit out some of this. <laughs> yep, all of that. And we've got that uh, Jimmy bloke from Jimmy's Farm. And we've got... Janitor turned producer. Oh. Sideshow Kev that's, is back. That's yeah. what I get. It's all right, isn't it? Years of loyal service and polishing you up to sound halfway decent in front of the polishing public. Polishing me up? Yes. Are you sure? In a sort of metaphorical Sorry. Fluffer sense. turned producer, Sideshow Kev. Now stand up and get on with it. <laughs> what? That was Charlie Brown's teacher. Brilliant. Uh, it's... um. Questions and feedback via social media like Facebook, Twitter, email, and bigbritishbootybeach.com. Uh, from Nick, Nick says, Collins, are you still a fan of the Colonel's finest chicken? I notice you haven't mentioned the great man much of late. Y- yes, of course I am. I, I, in fact, I tucked into a portion just this very day. Back to fluffing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, I, I've, yeah, I love the, 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 the Colonel. Yeah. Well, why would I not? How much would you say, how much KFC would you say you eat per week? Per week. No, I don't do it per week. Per month, then. On a, an average month. I would much? say I'd probably have uh, a, couple, a, yeah, a couple of trips to the Colonel's Chicken Parlour a month. That's all right, isn't it? And what about lower standard chicken parlours where you can just get... No, avoid them. Really? I've oh, f- fallen on that trip before. I know. When they call themselves things like the Bromley Fried Chicken. Yes. BFC. Which doesn't sound good, does it, really? <laughs> no, it really doesn't. So where do you sit on the Colonel's? I try not to. You get a greasy bottom. Other than that, um, I, I we're in the pecking order of like takeaway food because we asked on the radio once, okay? Yeah, uh, like you know, it was, it was Burger King, McDonald's, uh, KFC, fish and chips, curry. You know, what what are your favoured takeaways? Yeah, um, and people were ringing in and giving us cases why it was better to have a curry than a kebab, or better to have a fish and chips rather than McDonald's, or better to have KFC than Burger King. And a guy phoned up and he went, "You're missing the best one ever." And I thought, well, I think we've ticked all the boxes here. Come on, big fella, what's the best one ever? He said, oh, yeah, this one beats them all. And I said, what's that? And he said, Subway. Uh. I said, what? Subway? Subway doesn't fit within the fried food emporium of joy. It's a little bit different, but then I also think if you're putting KFC and McDonald's and, say, Burger King in one bracket, Mm. I would say that's distinct from, say, even a... Well, certainly curries and things, but yeah, kind of chip shops as well. Almost. Yeah, but I suppose it's in the in the thinking of you know what is good takeaway fodder. Subway to me is up there with the sandwich shelf in the petrol station. Oh, it's a bit better than that, I think. 
Is it? Yes. It's just a bloody sandwich. No, but if you go there, you can, you can, you know, stick a foot long in your gob. Back to Fluffing. Back to that again. He can't leave it alone, everybody. Again, yeah, back to the, Fluffing. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If as a kid, your mum had said, fancy a takeaway, which is something my mum never, ever said. I don't, I don't think those words ever left her mouth. But yeah. had she said that and then come back with a sandwich, you'd be mightily pissed off. Yes. However, I always regard like McDonald's and Burger King almost as railway station food because you need something fast yeah. and hot. It can't all be bad, though, can it? No, it's not. It's not all bad. bad. It's just stuff that's got a lot of calorific yeah. detail going on. But it's not. It all tastes good. Who doesn't like? But it tastes all right after six pints. So. Yeah, it tastes yeah. even better then. If you have any more questions about fast food, yeah, keep them to yourself. <laughs> uh, from funnily enough, Ronald <laughs> via email. Is this show available in Norwegian with English subtitles? Otherwise, it's clearly no good. Uh, I think they are working on a a Norwegian version. And that Danish thing, the killing? Yeah. Right, what the f*** is that about? Now, is anybody going to tell me that somehow, uh, because you've got a a detective wearing a jumper, you know, Columbo wore a coat, Telly Savalis had a lollipop, Miss Marple has a... Oops! They all have their little trademarks. Because somehow this thing is subtitled, therefore it is deemed to be of intellectual superiority mm. to anything else. I mean, it's not going to beat The Sopranos, is it, for quality entertainment? But people seem to love these things. I mean, if it's like... it's, it's... You've got to read it. Buy a book. <laughs> yes. Don't watch it. Buy a book. Or actually, but people say, well, I like the pictures. Buy a comic. Yes. No, so I've not got into any of that, really. I haven't either. And I know that there's loads and loads of really good films out there, and I constantly have this argument at home about, you know, watching films that there are some good films that are subtitled, mm. and I haven't got that much concentration, No, to be honest. I mean, if I watch a movie, I'm on the pause button every four or five... Stop, back to fluffing <laughs> I'm on the pause button, I go out and make a sandwich, yeah. and I'm probably missing out on an Aladdin's cave of film noir delight. What do you think about the... Uh, you know, they're making... New Star Wars films. And this is the standalone Star Wars. Yeah, the standalone one. So there might be a Yoda film and a Han Solo film and a Darth Vader film, a Stormtrooper who bumps his head on the door in the first one film. Right. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Maybe they'll finally explain why he bumps his head on that door. Darth Vader, Darth in New York. Wow. That would be good. Would it? <laughs> no. Uh, from Lewis, since Mr. Collins is a fan of the Coalition, as well as being a Hang fan on, who of... who said I was a fan of the Coalition? Well, that and fried chicken, apparently. I wasn't a fan of the Coalition, as in a fan of the Lib Dems or the Tories. I was a fan of the, of the idea, of the notion, that two parties from different spectrums within political ideology would come together and sort things out. I mean, this Parliament seems like a bit of a management rather than a, a philosophically-led ideal that's going to rubber-stamp things in the name of one party's ideas or another. It's it's really about management. Well, that was, it was meant to be that, so I was a fan of that. Right. And then now, you know, there's like a whole bunch of... St- you know, halfway through any part, it, looks, it begins to look tired. But, I mean, the idea that we're shocked that they're making cuts... that was, they were going to make cuts. It's like going to a redundancy meeting and saying, have you seen what's happening? They're making redundancies. Well, that was kind of the point. They all said, even, you know, Labour said it, even the Lib Dems were forced mm-hmm. to say it, that this parliament will be a parliament of rebalancing, of uh, making, you know, some pretty tough decisions, cutting back on, on huge budget. I'm not saying that's good. All I'm saying is that they told us this was going to happen. And now every week when there's another announcement, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's happened? We're discombobulating all over the place. They've made more cuts. If only you had an outlet where people could phone you and tell you what they think about oh, such matters, perhaps on FM somewhere. From Johnny Pie. 
Johnny says... There's no one called Johnny Pie. Roger Ramjet had a heroic name and special pills he'd take to make himself stronger and more powerful. Mm. Is the fictional character Lance Armstrong based on him? Do you remember Roger Ramjet? Yes. He was, like, badly drawn, badly animated, yep. and when he had to beat up a bad guy, he'd have some drugs and become very strong and able to, to win. There are similarities. I think Johnny Pie has a has a point. But Roger Ramjet was animated by the same people who did that Mountie cartoon. Dudley Do-Right. Are you sure you're not thinking of Champion the Wonder Horse? Yeah, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. From Finders, great taste in cooking, good looking. From Jeff in Blackpool, is anyone safe? No. From Optimus Brine, I have an idea for the latest viral video sensation. We could call it the YouTube Egg Inspectors. Simply video those people who take an age inspecting boxes of eggs and put them online to see the hits roll in. You do see some people in supermarkets just inspecting every single egg, almost with like a monocle, just sort of making sure that everything is absolutely right. Shaking it, smelling it, you know, dropping it in a bucket of water to make sure it doesn't flow, all that kind of thing. And what's that old boulder dash that you can throw one in the air and it can land on grass and not break? Yeah. Tried that as a kid, every one of them broke. I've got a box of eggs here. Let's oh, try it in the studio. Let's give it a go. Open the eggs. You throw first, Kev. Andre! Give me a mop and bucket! Yeah, no. Uh, from Mikey the Postman. It's always nice, nice when postmen get in touch. I like it. Feel, it feels like an old-fashioned uh, method of receiving information. And because we're, you know, all in yep. cyberspace and stuff, it's it's quite exciting that, you know, it's like the two things are colliding. Well, Polish Pete, my postman, I saw him the other day. This was amazing. I drove like to the other side of town mm. and saw him there delivering letters. So whether Bromley only has one postman, which would take him a week to do a round, surely, wouldn't it? This is true. He was it was either that or he was filling in for somebody else, or they do like two rounds apiece. Anyway, Mikey has something to say. Oh yeah. <laughs> just in case we've forgotten. <laughs> While out doing my rounds just after Christmas, I noticed a little abandoned kitten near one of the houses I delivered to. In brief. I rescued the little thing, and me and my girlfriend are raising her. We wanted to know if you guys could do a Blue Peter-style name-the-pet-type competition. Yeah, they would do that all the time, wouldn't they? It was very, very exciting. In fact, I've done some research on this. Have you? Yeah. Um, Petra. Uh, Patch was a dog in 1965. Uh, Shep was the famous one. Yeah. Goldie. Remember Goldie? Do you remember when Shep died and John Noakes, they put John Noakes on the TV to cry? It's a bit mean, wasn't it? He couldn't stop. He did The Weakest Link, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Did, was he still and crying I, about it then? Yeah, because Anne Robinson says something like, did you kill Shep? Uh, or something like that. And John Noakes started crying on The Weakest Link. Did he? I remember Bonnie. Mabel. Mabel? Mabel was from 1996 to 2011, was a Blue Peter Border Collie, and was Blue Peter's second longest serving dog after Petra. Until John Noakes got hold of it. Luke. <laughs> Have some of that. <laughs> no, he's he's an animal lover. He is. Uh, Meg? Joey. Joey? Was that a kangaroo? Oh, it would have been awesome if they had a yeah. kangaroo and Blue Peter. No, Joey was a parrot that they had years back, apparently, in the 60s or something. Right. But talk, but then they did have Joey Deacon. Remember Joey? Yes. Joey, the man who, like, changed kids' views of disability. Uh, it was amazing, because it was all, the, I think, like, the year of the disabled or something. Mm-hmm. And Joey was in, in a care home for sort of uh, adults with... Difficulties, and he had a lot of difficulties. Yes, uh, but what he did have was a, a mate with him. Even as a kid, yeah, I couldn't help but think that his mate, translation boy, 
was frankly pulling the wool over our <laughs> eyes because Joey, all Joey could do really was make a noise. Yes. So they'd say, Joey, what, what do you think about this? And Joey would just make a noise. And his mate would go, Joey says he's very grateful to all the viewers, Blue Peter. Uh, he'd like to thank you all for sending in all your gifts this Christmas. And he'd like to say that on top of that, he'd very much welcome money. Send it to me, though. Uh, he never said that bit. <laughs> all of that from a single groan. It was just like a groan. And it's like, like even, you know, people who use speech software, you know, when they have certain noises to mean things, yeah. don't, don't have that level of translation for a single syllable but you're right he did change the perception but also came up with one of the great playground insults of the 70s and early 80s absolutely right you know and it was it's, it's unfortunate but it's true folks kids can be so cruel they can wish it i'll tell you when you get on i think she blew <laughs> he went and his mate went joey's very grateful <laughs> he lied a, sorry this one's a bit of a mouthful but i'll try <laughs> Can you send Tina Heath round? <laughs> <laughs> and while you're at it, Peter Dunkel, do you? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. And don't forget Petra. <laughs> <laughs> we will return to our regularly scheduled programme momentarily. Please stay tuned. I mean, that obviously set off the profanity a little bit. Yes. For good legal reasons. And because none of it happened, of course. And it, no, and uh, it just goes to show that we do still have the uh, the brains of the six-year-olds in, in the playground. Not proud, really. And finally, from Rupesh. Ah, oh, no. Can't be bothered with that one. Never do those ones. If you've got any questions you want to send to uh, to me or Kev, uh, Ian at onceaword.com, Kev at onceaword.com, anything at all, just uh, you know, chew the fat and ask away. Why not? We solve problems. We? we should do a problem uh, problem corner on this feature. Should we? Yes. You don't think Helen and Ollie have got that sort of covered? Or are you talking about agony? No, I'm talking about rashes. <laughs> okay. And boils and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll do some of that. Send right. those through to us as well. Well, uh, rashes. Yes. Send it, cut off your boils and pop them in a padded envelope. Yes, we'll analyse them in the lab. Yes, all of that. Uh, anyway, that's it. Uh, well, not the end of the podcast. There's loads more to come <laughs> still. Like this. Ah... I see different noise. That means a slightly different feature, Kev. It is Randomax of irrational... You're right there, love. <laughs> yes, I'm fine, thank you. Randomax of irrational satisfaction. Uh, the things in life that make you go... Ah. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, they're insignificant. They don't really uh, matter. They're not deal-breakers. But they put a little smile on your face. Yeah. Or they make you feel a sense of relief. Or a sense of sheer happiness and contentment. Rather than feeling like a grumpy old bastard, they actually do the very reverse to the other feature we normally do. It's stuff just that just brings you a, a tiny amount of joy. Yeah. Ah. Kev, do you want to start us off? I have three. Oh. Firstly, that lovely moment when you find a £10 note in somebody else's wallet. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's great. Tell you what else is wonderful. Watching families argue about where the car's parked. In a multi-storey car park. Yeah, that is good. That's great. It's very satisfying. It's definitely on this floor. No, it's not on that floor. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, and this is really nice, that really stupid, <laughs> irritating face that Ricky Gervais makes when he's playing the hilarious Derek. Oh, it's just bliss. It really is just bliss. Uh, here's a couple. Uh, Haribos. Oh, now, which kind, though? 
Well, you're right. You can you can royally stuff yourself with the wrong selection. Mm-hmm. But Haribo's are interesting because, of course, they are essentially full of badness. There's nothing, nothing good can come from Haribo. Oh, I'm sure it can. It well, brings joy. Well, it brings joy. The point it of do- this feature is we're bringing joy. Yes, it do- indeed it does. But there's the you see there's the crunching paradox in, in the. If your Haribo's crunchy, mate, you've got the wrong stuff. But if you go to a petrol station, of course you're queuing up. They're brilliantly placed right by the till. Here is essentially 15 tons of sugar. And away you go, and it's you know, but, but it's a satisfying munch. I did a whole packet. Well, which kind? Of? On the way to the because you get a, a number of different varieties. You go abroad, there's even more varieties. Mm. See, I'm still Coca-Cola bottle man. Ah, fizzy or non-fizzy? Fizzy, of course. Yeah, the fizzy ones, the tankastic ones, they're the best. Yeah, I can almost feel that taste in your mouth. Yeah. As you... As you think about it. When you were a kid, did you ever used to bite the tops off them and try and suck the cola out? Yeah, there was never any in there, was there? No. No, it was a ruse. It was. Uh, The other thing, this comes under the uh, banner of thinking something has happened and then realising it hasn't, (laughs) to your great relief and satisfaction. So, I was there last week at the, the launch in Gloucestershire, of the new Mitsubishi Outlander. They are, of course, our sponsors of this podcast. It was held in the Babington Grounds and which is just a huge, verdant expanse of joy and manor house and all manner of things. And it's just stunning. Tess drove the car, lots of other journalists there, and it's stunning stuff. So I leave, I've done the car launch, and I'm driving through, essentially, the Cotswolds countryside. And something that has never happened to me before. You hear about it happening, but it's never, ever happened to me before. It is possibly the most shocking thing that can happen. And that is when an eight-foot stag jumps out of a bush into the front of your car and brakes, antlers, stag eyes, mist coming from the flaring nostrils of the beast. You've hit the brakes, the stag is thinking, I might be toast here. The driver's thinking, I might be toast here because I've got a feeling I'm going to come off worse than the stag. And then you realise it just by a second brushes the rump of its back and then it legs it and hops over another oh, massive bush. Good Lord. I shit myself, Kev. <laughs> but the funny thing about it was, as per any kind of huge shock to the system, you kind of have to pull your car over and sit there for a few minutes oh, and yeah. take a couple of breaths and think that was... If that thing had gone through the windscreen, Collins would have been brown bread. Lovely beast, though. I've got to say. But what a satisfying experience. <laughs> Not to die. <laughs> that both driver and stag yeah. live to tell the tale. Yeah. Right now, somewhere in the woods, the stag is going... Yum, 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 yum. Stags. <laughs> Johnny Morris, give us a stag voice. Oh, hello. <laughs> Nearly got run over by a car. I hated that old... Wag, wag, oops. <laughs> Johnny Morris. Stop. <laughs> Here's a camel at Bristol Zoo. Oh, I think I'll eat your hat. R.I.P. Terry Nutkin. Yes, That's all indeed, I can say yeah. to that. Yeah. Didn't he had like eight kids, you know. Eight kids? Yeah. Do you think it was suspicious that three of them had flippers? <laughs> Just saying. Michael O'Brien, roundabout to irrational satisfaction. He says, reaching for the tenth free coffee. Now, I guess... What? I, I don't know where that where he is to get the free coffee. Does he work at, like, Starbucks or something? They ain't free, mate. Could be it, that, It's yes. supposed to give them to customers. It's called shoplifting, Michael. Uh, Alan Foxell just says alcohol. Uh, Andy Wildman says, when my neighbour's baby stops... Crying. That's a satisfying moment. Yeah. Uh, Ian Dunt, who's a political journalist, oh, uh, yeah. says uh, chocolate cereal, the only thing on earth that's luxurious and reassuring at the same time. Ah. 
Is that right? Chocolate syrup? I don't know. Does it? I have don't to... get on with chocolate no, syrup. No, me neither. I never. You know, when cocoa pops sort of first became big, mm. that I never jumped on that particular bandwagon. No, no. So I always prefer a nice bit of toast at breakfast time, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, toast. Toast. Yeah, with crunchy peanut butter. The way peanut do butter do should the... be. We're not going back into oh, no, that. Let's not go into that. No, but what I'm intrigued by is the fact that you can do peanut butter at breakfast time. Yes. No, you see, I can, can't do that at breakfast. Really? No. Jam? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Well, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's... everyone does jam. Not everyone. Well, yeah. I don't. So therefore, everyone doesn't. Pick a lily. Same to you. Here's another one. John Maloney, the comedian. Ah, oh, uh, John Maloney. Uh, tweeted one in on this. He said, when we get back from holiday, random acts of irrational satisfaction, our neighbour always leaves us a fresh loaf and a bottle of milk in our fridge. That's nice. About nicks the TV. No, I didn't say <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny when people do that. It's nice uh, when people do that. But of course, your neighbour then has to have the key to the, uh, the house. Is that sensible to do that? Depends where you live. Yeah, you see, but if you, you know, it makes sense that if something goes wrong in your house. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a sensible precaution. But then you also know that when you're away, your neighbours are, they're going to, oh, well, I'll just check the house is okay, and they're going to go around, yeah. put your underpants on, dance around in the living room, have sex on your bed, defecate on your coffee table. It's all there. <laughs> Richie says, uh, being a postman and uh, having years of listening to morning radio, like John Gaunt, he says. <laughs> Richie says, the joys of podcasts. Oh. So he's discovered the pod uh, and podcasts are on the back of realising the, the minimal options that are available to you on the radio. Well, yeah, I mean, by all means, everyone, spread the word, not necessarily about this podcast, but there's so much amazing stuff out there that it's, you know, people... There's more choice than anywhere at all. People it's just may a case not, of, yeah. just build your own radio station in your phone. And people may not know about... They have the technology to yep. download a podcast. They may not know how to do it. Show them. Have, Show your old grad. Here's what you do. You have your default sort of standard FM radio station you like listening to, which will be LBC 97.3, obviously. Uh, that that's stays standard in your phone at home, yep. DAB, bedroom, shower, everywhere. Okay. And then you have your pod selection of all the stuff that you like. So uh, there's obviously our podcast. There'll be Helen and Ollie will be on mm-hmm. there. Um, there'll be uh, Bugle uh, the Bugle will definitely be on there the Smodcast will be on there yep um, in addition to that you will have Here's the Thing with Baldwin very nice would yeah. be on there yeah. as well <laughs> Carol says my budgie singing to greet me when I come downstairs first thing in the morning hashtag happy you know the French have banned hashtags did you see this story what yeah I think you said the French have banned budgies <laughs> no they banned hashtags well, from where? Well, well uh, life? I'll tell you what, we'll talk about it next week. I'll find out more about it. Okay. But apparently, uh, le hashtag is a non-non. I think it's just known as lashtag, wasn't it? Probably. This in from Luke in Aberdeen. Thinking you've run out of loo roll, only to remember there is actually a spare in the bathroom cabinet right next to you. It does save you having to take the cardboard roll and tear it up into, like, as, as close as you can. Yeah. And, like, you know, scrape. <laughs> Or use the hand towel. Uh, we'll do some more of those again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, why not? Next week, random acts of irrational annoyance will probably return. But having said that, we don't know because we don't decide until we sit down and go to the pub and write it all down. Even then. Even then what? It's Kev's new catchphrase. Sideshow Kev. Even then. Yeah. In inverted commas. It'll be a wonderful title. So it's going to for... be your new podcast. Well, no. When you go solo. Sideshow Kev's hey, even then. At the rate we're going any time now. <laughs> uh, more of those next week. We've also got this. Even then. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000-mile five-year warranty. 
In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. And here it is, everybody. Even then, Sideshow Kev's. I honestly don't know what this feature is, by the way. I no longer... In fact, I no longer know. I no longer care, Kev. I just say stuff. You're asking me what it is. Do you mind if I listen to music while you do this? Yeah, off you go. Okay. Snap out of it! <coughs> All right, sorry. It's Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox, our weekly look at the box of showbiz. Uh, not off. We find under the bed. Now, this week, apparently, Les Mis has been hailed as one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, yeah. Which is obviously nonsense, because it's a musical. And we all know how musicals turn out. I walked down the road, I saw a toad, it shot its load. <laughs> Did that toad? That's enough. But that said, there are some real masterpieces in existence, and in this week's shoebox, we'll be celebrating precisely none of them. Instead, Ooh. it's time to explore the opposite end of the spectrum and uncover the worst movies of all time in sideshow sh- cinema sh- drama. <laughs> Andre, give me some sideshow sh- drama. Music for films which are really very, very, very bad and not even guilty pleasures. Thank you. Very simply, Ian Collins, three movies, all shit, but only one is real. Okay. Find the real bad film. All right, okay. Number one. A. Spider Pussy. B. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Or C. The Minced Poodle Murders. The, r- the real one has got to be... Uh, a... A, Spider Pussy. Yeah. The incorrect answer. Mm. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. All right. It's actually a film. It okay. exists. It's bad. Get it on DVD. Uh, yeah, I, I might do. Get I might people just around saw my legs off instead. As long as you film it. Uh, number two. Is it A, Goose Man and the F? <laughs> B, Hercules in New York. Or C, Jackie Collins presents The Fellatio Dilemma. It's A is the real one. <laughs> Incorrect answer. Oh. It's actually Hercules in New York, which I believe had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, uh, who was dubbed. It was one of his early films. Number three. A. The Man with Six Hooks. <laughs> B. Manos, The Hands of Fate. Or C. Peter Simon and the Scunthorpe Sleeping Bag Massacre. It's B is the real one. Get it this weekend. Uh, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Yeah. Number four. A. Penny Pitstop's Pantyliner Party. B, Return of the Bromley Seven. Or C, Batman and Robin. Ah, I know what you've done there, because there's no film called Batman and Robin, so that's not true. So it's B. You're telling me there's a film called Return of the Bromley Seven? Probably. The real really shit movie is C, Batman and Robin, directed by Joel Schumacher, with uh, George Clooney in the title role. When was this? Uh, late 90s. Not part of the franchise of Oh, Batman. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the last one. It killed it off so badly until... George uh, Clooney played Batman. Yeah, he did, yeah. I'm Batman. And finally, number five, A, Attack of the Splink-Addled Zombies. B, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Or C, Eddie M... 
and the cat powered rocket? B. It's the correct answer. Dave. Because you know, Santa is a hero and yeah. he, he would protect the Earth in the event of any sort of invasion. By slapping people with his sack of presents, one would assume, or just running them over in his sleigh. Here's my question about Santa. This one horse open sleigh, and yet all these reindeer. He has to decide between the horse and the reindeer, surely. Where, where is a horse ever featured on a picture of Santa? No, but in the song. Yeah, well, a song was clearly written by somebody who was hallucinogenically enhanced. You think so? Well, yes. You're imagining a man in a red coat with a sack of presents and a horse. <laughs> Only one horse. Across rooftops yeah. at night. Yeah. Even Salvador Dali couldn't have come up with that <laughs> shit. But I'm just confused between the horse and the reindeer, because he had a lot of reindeer, and he had one horse. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know, did he eat the horse? No, he sold it to Finders, <laughs> and they shoved it in a load of their grub. Did they? And sold it to us. Ah. That's what happened. We will get to the nitty-gritty of this. Okay. You know Jimmy's farm? I do know Jimmy's yeah, farm. Yeah, the TV farmer. Yeah. When you got him coming in? That's very impressive. Go on, boy. How'd we do that? I'm so hungry, I can eat a horse. I'm starving. I can eat a horse right now. I can eat a well horse. Horse Well, Kev, we promised an investigation. All the other news outlets, frankly, failed on getting to the nitty gritty of what was going on with the massive horse meat scandal. The panoramas, even World in Action, which isn't even on anymore, failed on this. They all failed on this, but we can get to the bottom of what's going on because when we want to know about what's happening in the world of meat and farming. We don't just ask some bozo scientist from the government. We ask this man from Jimmy's farm. It's Jimmy Doherty! Jimmy Doherty! How you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very, very well. The only tra- there is a slight problem. Uh, in, the, in the contract, we did say, could you bring animals with you? Uh, you've kind of failed to bring any animal, apart from that dog in the corner. It's true, but I did drive the, <laughs> I drove the tractor here. You drove the red tractor here? Yeah, and it's a nightmare to park in this traffic, I must say. It's not good, it, Yeah, it? drove the red tractor here, so yeah, yeah. I brought something. It's been a funny couple of weeks, of course, for, for, for food. I mean, pigs is your sort of, uh, that's your area. You, yeah. you, you, deal, you haven't dealt with any other animals? You don't touch any other animals? Do you hate other animals? No, 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 is no. no. Just we we have like? a mixed farm. We have, we have predominantly pigs, but we rear a lot of turkeys. Uh, we have some cattle and we have sheep as well. Okay, so there is a mixture there. Yes. yes. And as a farmer, so when you any any food story, uh, regardless of whether it's completely in your sort of area of of, of income or whatever, it, it's it's not good for the, for the industry, is it? To well, find out, you it's know, a you've funny got a bunch one. of horses in your burgers. No, it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, that meat was imported, and it, it does beg the question question as consumers when we expect to buy a bag of burgers. For a quid or so, yeah. and expect it all to be prime beef. Uh, we, you know, you've got to you've got to consider you get what you pay for. And I think that uh, the other side of it is when you have one scare story, it it swamps everything out. What we don't see is a pat on the back for all the good all the good stories, all the good messages that mm. farmers are out there every single day working hard to produce us healthy, clean food. Um, and for the consumers, that's what they want. But the difference is it's often there's so much um, red tape out there, but there's so many labels and, you know, um, re- registrations, all these kinds of things. We think, is it amber? Is it green? Am I looking for this? Is it health food? Is it whatever? I think a lot of the stories here is that, you know, it's down to labelling. And when people are buying a beef burger and it, it's happened to have other species in there, then that's not a good thing. See, this is devastating because... Abdul, who does our catering for the show, 
He's been going out for the last year or so, buying like a hundred burgers for about one pound twenty. You're saying that that's not probably the best no. quality. <laughs> No. There might be horses. No, it's funny if in you the went, burgers, it, Jimmy. Uh, you're, 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 you've got nice trainers on. How much do those trainers cost you? Oh, way too much. My mum would kill me. If she uh, found exactly. Out. And then you go out and buy a suit. You want to spend yeah, some yeah. money on the suit nice and the rest suit. of it. You never go out and say, "See, this suit cost me a fiver." <laughs> you never do that. But we like to do that with food. And I think that the honesty about uh, food—if you want quality food—it will cost a little bit more. But we're not talking huge amounts more. But you're getting a lot more for your money in terms of guaranteeing the traceability. So where are we on the scale of, if you like, the league table of knocking out a sausage? I well, mean, where, where do the Brits I, stand? I went this? up against the Germans and. Uh, uh, well, easy door, Br- surely, British, Jimmy, come on. British, bur- British bangers against the German yeah. first, and we beat them. Is that that white sausage thing? Oh, they've got they've got twice as many sausage varieties than we have, but good, honest, quality no, British don't. pork and a good, honest British banger, we wipe the floor See, with they've them. They've been dining out on this, we do sausages like no one else, yeah. for years. Yes. And I've been over there a lot, and frankly, they do serve... A, a dodgy banger. Yes, I mean, there's yes, no way around yeah. it. I, I think our nation was built on the good quality British banger. We had Al Murray on the show uh, a yeah. little while back, and Al, of course, is a massive advocate for the banger. He bought sausages with him. Exactly. So, not too, too far to put on it, Jimmy. Something you actually haven't done, I noticed. <laughs> no, absolutely. I was going to take your credit card details later, and then I'll be <laughs> sending you a box a load. Sausage sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Couple of loads of questions we got. When we said you were coming on, people were really excited that you were coming on because Great. it's you know when you have a, a sort of a proper expert you know this is your field television i guess is what is that secondary now or is that the first thing well it's one of the main questions we got is what on earth was happening one day when you were mooching around on the farm sorting out the hay sorting out the pig shoveling shingle doing all of that and then one day fella knocks on the door and says would you like to be a tv presenter yeah yeah it happens just like that what happens happens just like that well it's called my wife um basically and we run the business together so we have uh anything between 15 and 30 full-time staff depending on the season um, and when I'm away filming, she's there running the business. Sure. So it's a partnership. Which is but how do you end up doing that, though? Going um, from, it's just, farmers it's, are usually it's fairly a, shy characters. Well, it's a chain of events, you know, My mum's really. family are farmers, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a strange chain of events, and it's, um, it's something that started with running the farm, and then I'd, my background's in science and um, entomology and things like yep. that, and then a, 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 one of the TV execs said, we've got another project, would you be interested sure. in that? And I really try and base my stuff on food production and farming, and I get to travel around the world and look at farming and farm farm products and all over the, great the globe. Planet. It's great, it's but also across the UK. And yeah. one thing is for sure is that when you see what happens abroad and the scale of things, mm-hmm. and there's some amazing things there, but when you come home again and you see what our farmers do in the UK you really suddenly appreciate the hard work and dedication that goes into producing our food and I I believe the sort of the the the, the heart of a nation is its land and is its yeah. countryside and and without the farmers that heart stops beating and it's really important that we make sure we keep that industry going you know we do sit pretty well on we the world do. we do i mean we've it. had in the media there's this whole thing about the burgers which is imported meat um and what we that that casts such a big shadow and what we should do is look at the legislation that our farmers are under we've got to fill out so much red tape <laughs> uh, and and red tractors there to make sure standards are kept high so if we're going through this process the last thing we can do as consumers is to make sure we buy that product because it's there for us here's uh, some questions michelle in newcastle and loads of others says do pigs make good pets they do 
uh, in the fact that when you're working with animals, yeah. the pig, I, I enjoy working with pigs. I don't necessarily think maybe you know having them in the house and all that kind of stuff. People do like having can't train house them not pigs to do stuff. You sort can of you? Can. can, you sort of can. Yeah. Is it true they're quite bright? Because they, they always are, say they're very intelligent. All they animals, look quite thick to all, me. all animals are intelligent and are intelligent they? as they need to be right. for, for 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 being that type of animal. But I think that um, yeah, for me, I had when I lived in the caravan, I had a pig in the caravan with me. We were hand rearing, but believe you me. Um, it stopped becoming a pet pretty quickly when it got quite big. Yeah, there's the, there's the trouble. Well, on the back of that, Luke in Leicester says, is it possible to train a pig like you can a dog? I'm thinking of entering Britain's Got Talent with a pig act. Have a go. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Nick in Dundee says, can you ask Jimmy where he stands on scarecrows? Most of them look rubbish. Even a lobotomised crow wouldn't fall for some of that nonsense. No, I mean, uh, y- yeah, the, the ones you see in garden centres, that kind of stuff, they're, they're the old type scarecrows. Farmers are very good at scarecrows these days. When you look at a commercial arable field and you yeah. think there's a guy walking his dog it's not someone's put something other to to scare off the pigeons but there are still some of the old, the, the old duffers don't make an effort with the sofa, <laughs> like knocking on the door and no saying one really what, makes, you, what is that no one really makes that's just anymore. A, that's just a bag with a <laughs> carrot on its head they're all off the yellow brick road they've gone <laughs> jack the outlander man says how much is a pig to buy we, we constantly hear this i was watching something on tv only yesterday about the, the fluctuation of the cost of oh, pr- farm pr- animals is price lunacy, of pork has, has gone up slightly. Uh, well, it's gone up quite a bit purely because the price of feed has gone through the roof. Um, but it depends what you're buying. I mean, if you want a Gucci pig, like uh, the kind of pigs I keep, the rare breed, and yeah. if you, it's pedigree, it's going to be a breeding sow, then they can be quite expensive. And it depends what bloodlines there are. So it's like anything. If so if I had 300 quid, could I get a bag of pigs with that? You could get a pig with that. One pig-ish, okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm Got, would it be a, bit, got a, nice, be a manky pig? No, no, I've got a nice Dodgy Tamworth. Snout. I've got a nice Tamworth. She won't okay. mind you so much, but you've got to put a bit more on than just the Speedos when you come in the studio, because that's, that's <laughs> a bit... Just we've been we talking s- about sh- sausages, but you want to put that Frankfurter away. Do, that's, do you know what, Jimmy? We started it about a year back, and it, for some reason it's just stayed. Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> so, Red Tractor, look for the Red Tractor. Is that the, is that the Absolutely. message? I'll be really disappointed with you if I look through your cupboards in your fridge and yeah. you haven't got pork with the red tractor mark on it. So it's because got to be on there. Make sure it's red tractor on there yep. because you're, you're not only are you getting some of the best tasting pork in the world, but you're sure. getting guarantees that you can trace that animal back to the farmer. You can trace yep. where he's fed. That, that They have four vet visits a year. There's so much red tape and, and uh, 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 processes that farm has to go through to guarantee mm the consumer, that they are getting what they are thinking they're buying. you know that it hasn't got, like, a horse's leg in there that's or something. That's never going to happen. There's no, none of that's that old not, caper going no, on. No, 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 yeah, no. That, that's a, that, that ain't going to happen with the red tractor mark. If you're importing meat uh, from other countries, well, you know, you take your chances. But buying red tractor, you're guaranteed. Uh, Nick uh, Nevin Farnborough says, what are the reasons to go into farming and what are the reasons not to? Well... I'll start with the reasons not to is because if the the fluctuation of the markets um, and the amount of money you need to invest to start up uh, uh, can be quite daunting. But the reasons to go into it is that it's such a fulfilling career. It's exciting. You think of farming being, oh, what you wear a cloth cap and walk around in the rain and moaning, but no, you don't. It's the most diverse and the most dynamic industry. Uh, Everything from fruit growers to people looking after pigs and cattle, but also the equipment you use. It can be as simple as you're planting uh, varieties of chili in a polytunnel to the latest um, uh, tractor that's satellite uh, driven all that kind of stuff it is dynamic and it's full of very forward thinking uh, individuals but also by going into farming you are 
part of the most important industry in the world because sure. without organised agriculture, none of us would be here. And are pigs still your favourite above all? I do like a good pig. Oh, above sheep? Because sheep are... Yeah, you don't get such a good conversation sheep. out of sheep. I mean, you know? they are ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. They, no. <laughs> your, cow, what, your cows clouds on, right. le- clouds on legs, all that kind of... No, I mean, I, I've got sheep. I do love sheep. Sheep yeah. are great and cattle are great. But, but there's something unique about pigs. And, you know, it, for, for Britain, where would we be without the humble pig? Where would we be without Jimmy? Uh, who's back on the telly? At the, you're on at the moment. You're I've been on. I'm on again. Back in on spring. again, knocking um, around with that Cockney dude. Oh, you know, still doing yeah. that. You I've know. got to teach him a few more recipes. I think you have actually. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, is he just fascinated with sausage-based uh, dishes? Where, no, it's olive oil non-stop, isn't it? I might try and get a bit of the old uh, bit of lard yeah. in there. It'd be alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good work. Uh, listen, red tractor is the message all the way. Absolutely, Jimmy Doherty. Thank you, sir. Nice to see you. Thank Pleasure. you for coming on. Credit stream. And in the interest of me and Kev getting to the pub before last orders, that's your lot for this week. We are, of course, back next week. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do and want to help support this podcast, make sure you leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Android users can try the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch. Program editor by Joe Marshall. Our researcher was Reginald Bosinkett, and today's utterly gobsmacking piece of useless information comes from Kellner in Newham, who tells me that if you eat a duck non-stop for six months, you will actually and biologically slowly begin to grow a beak. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with comedian Carl Donnelly, who will no doubt make us chuckle in all the right places. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. (laughs) Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's longer than an MP's expenses claim.